Welcome to the Life on Repeat podcast with me, Laura Valancourt, licensed mental health counselor, geriatric mental health specialist, and dementia coach. I'm so happy that you found us. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. And it is my pleasure today to introduce our guest. Her name is Charlotte Bayala. Am I saying your name right, Charlotte? Bayala. Bayala. Charlotte Bayala. Charlotte's the creator of the Love Your Caregiving podcast and the Caregiving Confidential Digital Magazine, which I'm really excited to hear about too. (laughs) Charlotte's a yoga and meditation teacher, a caregiver coach, and she is a caregiver for her husband and has been since 2013. Charlotte, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Laura, for having me on here. Yeah, I really excited to get to know you. And I know we're gonna have a great conversation. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your caregiving journey. Yeah, I became a caregiver when my husband found out that he had thyroid cancer in 2013. And that was mainly on accident because he wasn't feeling well and he had a lump in his neck and people wanted to treat it with steroids and antibiotics and stuff like that until a couple of days later, like, no. So once he was diagnosed, just like anyone else who's thrown into caregiving, that's where I found myself. And we had a daughter who was about seven, I want to say at the time. And so we were living right before that happened, you know, pretty much a a happy young couple with a a young daughter type of life. And then all of a sudden we were just slammed with this diagnosis. And the thing with thyroid cancer is, yeah, some people find out they have it, they have their thyroid removed and they're just free of all forms of that type of cancer. But for people like my husband, it had already spread. And so he will essentially live with thyroid cancer for the rest of his life. It may not be what ends things, but in the meantime, it's literally picking it out bit by bit when it gets to be big enough. So my caregiving will be long-term, just like a lot of other people who are caregivers. And so at the time I was a yoga and meditation teacher and basically teaching people how to meditate who are not meditators, which is actually a hard task to take on. And I automatically, when I became a caregiver, just everything dropped. And I, for the first six months was filled with everything that caregivers feel, the worry, the stress, the wanting to control and fix things and and second guessing the experts because there has to be something out there. Right. And so it wasn't until I was talking to my physician and was just telling her that I was worried by how worried I was. And she said, well, have you ever tried meditating? And (laughs) it made me angry and sad and frustrated and all at the same time, because here my job was teaching people how to meditate. Yet caregiving had hit me so hard that I was basically going out to work to teach these skills. 
But as soon as that class was done, I flipped back into that caregiver mode and all the things that I used to do for myself to care for myself just disappeared. There was no time. Like I didn't have the energy to even think about it. And so after that, I started to pull back and reassess how, how we were, what trajectory we were in as a family and how things were going and realized that I needed to make a change in order to then help my family come back to this as whatever it would be in being that happy, finding joy in life type, type of stage, even though it would be different. And so after I kind of got my feet back under myself and caregiving changes all the time, no matter what kind of caregiver you are, it's usually not as static as some people think. I realized that if I had that much trouble living the life of teaching people how to do yoga, how to slow down, how to care for themselves, and I forgot how to do that or didn't have the energy to even in my mind say, well, wait a minute, you need to at least stop and breathe. If I already had those skills and didn't find myself using them in the beginning, then how is it for other caregivers to be told, Hey, you need to do this. You need to do all these things to let go of stress and not even know how to do them. I knew how to do them and I couldn't because I didn't have the capacity to at the time. So I figured, well, now that I've gone through all of these road bumps and kind of figured out my way to, yes, being a caregiver, having those hardships, having the fear, the grief, the loss, even though there's not an ultimate loss, right? It's the loss of the change of your life, of how things can change at a moment when you're in a doctor's office, learning how to live with that and also being able to enjoy life with my family, enjoy life as a human being in this world. So that's when I decided to really start to put what I knew out there so that other people could know, all right, wait a minute, it is hard. Is not just me, right? <laughs> and also it can happen. Like I can do this. I just have to find out what works best for me. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. You said so many things. I, <laughs> I really, I'm relating for myself personally. I am sure so many of our listeners are relating to what you're saying. You know, it makes me think I had the image of that. What is that saying? I don't remember the exact saying, but the, the idea of it's one thing to be meditating on a mountaintop with the peaceful right. environment, you know, and, and into that energy and then being able to access that state within yourself in the midst of exactly. chaos. And mm-hmm. that's what it sounds like. That was the difference possibly for you is definitely, yeah, you've got these tools, you know how to do it, but your body hasn't experienced doing it in that crisis state. If, if exactly. Yeah, for sure. And that is with me having the skills, already having done it, already being comfortable and knowing what worked for me and understanding what that feeling of calmness actually feels like. But if you don't have that, if you haven't had that experience before becoming a caregiver, it isn't impossible to find. But I think it's important for people to know that First of all, meditation might not be your thing. And if it's not, then don't force it, 
right? Find the thing that works for you that makes you feel calm. But learning how to do something new when you're under massive amounts of stress and it doesn't matter how long you've been a caregiver. This isn't just an an issue for people who are first becoming caregivers. It's at any stage of caregiving where you find that, you know, you should be doing something to feel better because everyone's telling you all of the things online, all of the the things that you read, your doctors telling you, you need to care for yourself because this is long-term, but not knowing how to do it, that is not your fault. Right. We don't That's have not a lot fault. of models. We don't have exactly. a lot. We don't have the manual. <laughs> right. And so when it becomes hard, when you finally get to that place where you feel like, wait a minute, like this is serious. I really need to make a change. And you find that it's difficult for you to do. That is not an issue because you're not capable of learning. It's an issue of not having the resources to be able to learn. I love the way that you frame that because that's really, that's the reality. That's what we see. The other thing that I noticed too, what are your thoughts about this? During, it's almost, I get a sense, I found a sense of this. It's almost the spiritual crisis. It's almost this calling. Like when you were saying there's something in me that is, that knows that something needs to happen, that something needs to change. Mm -hmm. There's, there's this, this deep place of no words. And, and we look towards the tools that we already have. Like even you, you were looking at your tools yeah. But your tools weren't working in the way that you had used them in the past. And so there's this deeper calling. All I can think of is like more like on a spiritual type of level, a spiritual mm-hmm. crisis that is calling folks to what find a different way or tap in, listen to a part that hasn't been attended to or learn a different way. You you had said. You're alluding to all of this. I was thinking, oh my gosh, yes, yes. This is, I mean, this the, is a new relationship with yourself that we're talking about. Exactly. And the problem is, is if you don't understand. So there's a difference between knowing that you're caring for someone and fully understanding that you're a caregiver. And so if you aren't under the full understanding that you've become a caregiver and you are now automatically, just like a person finding out that they're diagnosed with something, they've had an accident, there's a disability, their lives are changing and have changed for forever. Your life has also changed as soon as you become a caregiver. It's not usually something we opt in to do all the time. A lot of times we do it because it was assumed because we're that person in the family, or you wouldn't think twice, but that doesn't mean that you chose to do it, right? And so understanding that you're a caregiver is the first step towards understanding what you need to do for yourself, because the things that you used to do for fun, the things that you used to do to have that, that feeling of calmness of doing something for yourself that actually is helping you feel happiness, all of that can change all of those standards of a life that meets those goals is change because your goals change. If you used to always go out to eat on Friday nights with your group of friends and you can't because there's no one to watch the person that you care for to sit with them, then 
that might not be a goal that you can really achieve. But if you keep thinking, well, I'm not doing this, so I'm not happy. It may need to just be, I need to do this in a different level. Maybe I need to have a zoom with all my friends because I can't leave home, or maybe they all need to come here for me to have that connection. So you have to understand that you're a caregiver and that your life has changed. And then how do those roles change the things that you used to do for fun, the things that you would identify as being a person that does a specific job or has a specific role in the world that they live in, those sometimes change. And you have to realize that because then you're better able to say, for me to feel better, this is what I have to do. Maybe you were a runner and you can't run anymore. And that was where you, that was like your moment, your time to touch in with yourself. If you can't do that anymore because of the caregiving situation that you're in, the problem is then you have to find what's the new thing, right? So even people who are able to touch into that part of themselves, they have to come to a place where they can sit back and just assess and evaluate. All right, wait, this is my life now is not what it was a month ago or a year ago. And so I need to figure out what are the things that I used to love that used to make me feel good. And if I can't do those specific things, how can I get close to that? Right. And finding where that sense of calm, that sense of checking in with yourself spiritually, mentally, physically, like how can I feel better? Because almost always you're always focused on how can I make that other person feel better? Yeah. Yeah. This is really helpful. Uh, What are your thoughts about I talk to a lot of people who will say, because I hear what you're saying about not being able to do the things that maybe used to bring you joy or feed your spirit. And, and then there are folks that, you know, they're not able to because they physically can't because they're caring for someone. But also there's the other side of that is that I talk to a lot of people where those things don't bring them joy anymore. You know, like, I I was visiting with a client yesterday who was talking about her art and how that was her. That's when she got into the flow state. That's where she was tapped in. And, and even though her family has made time for her to do that, she doesn't want to do it. There's not the desire to do it that, or another client speaking of meditation, she's a lifelong meditator and was just struggling with keeping up that habit in her life. And so what are your thoughts about that? Cause that they're kind of two very yeah. different things that when you can't, yeah. when you're not able to physically, or if your mind or your emotions or your spirit is getting in the way of allowing you to enjoy those things you used to do. Yeah. I think the things that people are used to doing that they used to do that don't work. First of all, there's that letdown, right? Because automatically you're like, well, I have this thing that I know I can do and you try to do it and it's, and it lets you down because, (laughs) and it's frustrating, but oftentimes that's because those things were where you could find that flow or that calmness with that life that you had been living. And so since everything has essentially changed, then I think the one thing people can do is so if you're if you're an artist let's say maybe you paint maybe you would like to do a form of art but 
go the opposite direction. Maybe if you paint, maybe do something that has to do with clay or something that has to do with pencil and paper instead of brush and paint, because you're able to, you have to access a different part of that experience. And it's something that you aren't maybe a hundred percent comfortable with doing, but is still your, in your wheelhouse of things that you like to do. And then because that happens and you have to focus a little bit more, right? If you're a painter, the form of making art, the, just the process of it is completely different than you sitting down with a bunch of drawing pencils and learning how to try to do the same thing. And so your brain has to focus a little bit differently and it switches things, but it's still keeping with something that you like to do because a painter might not actually, like if someone's an artist and you say, all right, art doesn't work, go for a run. Those are two completely different things, right? For the meditator, maybe it's changing your form of meditation. Mm. You know, there's so many different forms of meditation. Maybe what you're used to only called to you because of what, what was happening in your life. So maybe changing the form of meditation, because if meditation was something that you found solace in, where you found the ability to become able to just go with the punches that caregiving brings, then maybe it's not saying that it doesn't work for you. Just that type of meditation isn't suiting you for right now. It's like you go out, you buy an outfit, it fits perfectly. You feel so good in it. And then one day you're going to wear it, but you had like this enormous meal before you put it on and it doesn't fit. Right. Like I'm sure some of us have experienced that and you don't say, oh, this is, this is not going to ever work for me ever again. No, it'll work. Like there'll be a day where it suits you to wear it again. And you'll feel just as good as when you bought it. But that moment you need to have a different outfit. Right. So it's trying to give up on clothes altogether. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So it's finding something that is similar to what you liked to do and see if there's something just slightly different because a lot of times when we do things that we always do, we start to go on autopilot and we love not having to think things through, but there are some times where that flow state comes because you have to focus more. So just changing it up, trying something completely different, but within the same realm of what you're talking about might actually help bring that back. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) I was thinking it's almost like when you're speaking a language and you've been using these certain words or sentences that just come out of flow, you don't have to ditch the language to, you you just use, try different words. So yeah, that's just a really good piece because I think so many people start to feel helpless and hopeless when they are reaching towards the old familiar that used to bring them joy or give them peace and it's not working. So this is just, yeah, this is just a normal kind of a validation that right from what you're explaining is that your life is different now. So the, the tools and things that you used previously may not serve you in the same way and may just need to be tweaked a little bit. Exactly. That piece. And there's the piece. And I wonder if you might talk a little about this too, is because we're, I'm always writing this ebb and flow of where do you just honor where you're at? Where do you just 
you feel like crap, you, you can't focus, you're grieving or, you know, mm-hmm. any, you're overwhelmed, whatever the myriad of emotions that can come up during your, your own life journey, caregiving. And where do you just stop resisting it, you know, and, and distracting with things to do? What's the balance between an activity being a distraction or a solace <laughs> or where, where do you sit with it? You know, that's always the big question because people are afraid and rightfully so. There's so much fear. We're, we're taught to, to fear change. And tell me, what are your yeah. thoughts? I think that when you're really trying to figure things out, it's hard sometimes to understand how what you want to do is going to affect your life. Right. But when do you check in? When is giving in and just being with whatever you have? That's every day. You wake up and you feel like crap. Or I know for me, the day after spending eight hours in a hospital because it's the six month scan day, I know the next day I'm not going to want to do anything. And half of me is like, well, suck it up you didn't like, you didn't have CT scans and ultras, like you were just there. Right. And so it's really easy for us to minimize how we feel because we're not that person. We're not the person that is hurt or is sick or is struggling. We're the people to help them. But the problem is our care is just as important as the person that we care for. So if there's days where, and I'll say it all the time, don't do the dishes. Like if you have dishes, don't do them. If it comes to be that you're doing the dishes or you're trying to figure out what to make for dinner and you find yourself standing in the kitchen crying because you just can't handle doing one more thing because you're tired and you're overwhelmed and you're stressed out and you just heard about some new thing that you have to worry about with the person you care for, don't do them. Like really start to understand what are the really important things for you to do and stop busying yourself mm-hmm. with the things that you're just doing because you either feel like you have to, for some reason, or you feel like you're going to be judged because you don't. And for me, if, if there's anyone in your life judging what you're not doing, then they need to come in and help do those things. Right. If, for me, when I feel like something isn't working, it's when I am trying to distract. And I think we all know when we're trying to distract, it's that doom scrolling on Instagram or social media, or just watching the news or watching a show that you don't really like. We're just doing something to do something. It's not helping us refuel. So if you feel like if you do something for a while, when things are really stressful for you and you don't feel better after you've done it, then that should be taken off the list, right? Because maybe scrolling at night because it's hard for you to fall asleep, right? Maybe instead of that, because it really won't help you fall asleep anyway, is to listen to a body scan, a meditation, or listen to calming music or read a book, like find something that isn't a, it is taking your mind away. Right. But it is uplifting you in some way. Mm -hmm. So finding 
the things that are easy to do are the things that are right in front of us. And almost always that's an electronic. And I get it. My business depends on people (laughs) to see the things that I put out there or to listen to the podcast. But there is a place and time for everything. And I think that if you're using something because you don't want to sit with your feelings, then when you have the energy to, you need to take a moment to see how can I just be a little bit quieter in my head, in my world, so that I can just be with myself. But to tell you the truth, to to just do nothing for at least just five minutes is extremely difficult for almost any caregiver to do because there's always something, there's always something that needs to be done. And the minute you quiet your mind is when the to-do lists and the voice in your head and start to pop up. and And that's why sometimes meditation feels difficult for people because they feel like meditating is only sitting in quiet and sitting in quiet can be scary because as soon as you take those, you the lists go away and the to-dos and that conversation you had this morning all, and then everything gets quiet and people start to feel those emotions that we don't attend to and they want to cry or they feel anger. And instead of sitting with those emotions, we just want to distract and not feel them. And so it's just, it'll just keep cycling through. So finding something that works like meditate. Like I, I don't always like to meditate in quiet. Sometimes I like to have someone lead me or listen to something because I know Mm -hmm. I can't sit in quiet. I just need to calm. And so I think the distractions are real. I think we all do them all the time. Know that you're doing them and maybe take that moment to say, all right, is there something else I can be doing? (laughs) Have At least having the awareness that you are there. Yes. You're consciously choosing. (laughs) I'm choosing to do something that's not going to really help me feel better, but this is what I want to do. And that's okay. (laughs) Like eating the the buck, the carton of ice cream. Exactly. (laughs) I know know I'm going to regret this later. That's okay right now. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is so helpful. I love this conversation. I can see us going in so many directions. I know. <laughs> One of the things that I want to really highlight is that piece of how to make yourself a priority, because I think this is the theme, right? That we're talking yeah. time, or I'm using air quotes here, but <laughs> time and how do you, like, it seems like such a luxury to be able to meditate or read a book or exactly. Yoga or visit with friends or yeah. What are your thoughts about that, about prioritizing yourself? Yeah. I think prioritizing yourself is extremely difficult for many reasons. The first would be because the people that are in your social circles, the communities that you live in, the government of the state that you're in don't understand or value everything that you do as a caregiver. So it, you're not going to take the time to educate everyone within a hundred mile radius of how important caregiving is. What you need to focus on is the fact that your resistance to making yourself a priority is fueled by other people not understanding how important that is. So you have to take it upon yourself to understand how important what you do is because yes, most likely you will be caregiving for 
a good amount of time, hopefully, right? And so your health will decline if you don't care for yourself. This isn't about expensive massages and taking vacations. Those all feel good and help, but we're talking about everyday things that you need to do in order for you not to succumb to stress-related disease. It's science. So this isn't you making something up because you don't feel like doing something. Although oftentimes my self-care can show up when I don't want to do something, (laughs) but this is about you understanding that your care is just as important as the care that you get for the person that you're in, that you're looking after. And just like you won't, won't forget to take them to their doctor's appointments to have their labs drawn. You won't forget to help them make sure that they take their medication. You need to do the same thing for yourself. Those are basic care things that a lot of caregivers fail to do because they just don't have the energy after. And the reason why you don't have the energy after most likely is because you're not fueling yourself throughout the day and the week and the month. So this isn't, I don't have that the money to care for myself because self-care online and on TV, it looks like yoga clothes and expensive things and expensive soap. Self-care can be you going to a closet, closing the door and breathing for 15 minutes, right? It does not have to cost a thing. It is helpful to have someone help you figure out what self-care is for you so that you're not wasting time and energy trying to figure it out. But finding the thing that works for you should be something that you hold on to. So if you take a walk in the morning and you feel like you really can't leave, but you really want to get outside because a home can feel claustrophobic after a while. And all you do is you step out that front door you can hear what's going on in the house and you just breathe for a few, a few minutes, a half hour, however long you can be out there. If that's what you do all the time, or you would love to do all the time. But one morning someone says, well, I really want to have breakfast right now. Okay. Well, we can either have breakfast right now and then I'm going to step outside or I step outside and we're going to have breakfast after. Don't make it a, okay, well, I'm just going to let this slide because it's so easy because we don't think sometimes like we are able to demand that we do the things that we actually need to do for ourselves. And that's a problem. So unfortunately it takes a little spunk, right? You have to be able to say, no, this is important to me. There's nothing wrong with me being able to take this small chunk of time out of a long day to do this one thing because it really makes me feel good after and it allows me to be a better caregiver. That's the thing. If you can care for yourself, you're a better caregiver in the end. So the person you're caring for benefits from you doing these things and keeping maybe that in mind helps you make that a priority a little bit more. I love that you're saying that too. It really is a shift in, you know, it's a really a reframing because I, we hear that all the time that it feels selfish or I should be putting someone should be putting, you know, for myself. And I think that 
one of the things that I'm really hearing you say is recognizing that old saying that this is a marathon, not a sprint. Right. If you are going to be able to endure the race, <laughs> exactly using that the terminology, but you know, <laughs> sake of the metaphor, you have to sustain yourself. And the second thing that you were saying too, I was thinking is that I hear a lot of folks talk about is being very conscious and aware and intentional when you're doing those things, because sometimes those self-care pieces can turn into another part of the to-do list. And it exactly has more stress. It's just another thing to check off mm-hmm. and not really being present in, you're not really receiving the gift of the, the moment in that act for yourself. Yeah. And I think sometimes people think self-care means all things stop for you to be able to do this. But when I work with people, I'll find like, we'll find something. All right. When you wake up in the morning, you're not going to wake up dreading or listing out all the things you don't want to do. You're going to wake up before you even open your eyes. Maybe you're just going to think about what you're grateful for. And you're going to tell yourself, you know, I'm going to do my best to have the best day that I can. I mean, how much more different is that for you mentally and physically to wake up and do something positive for yourself instead of creating stress before you even step out of bed. Yes. And there's so much science that shows that your first, you know, when you're between that waking state and sleep state, whether it's before you go to bed or before you wake up, you Mm -hmm. really are programming your brain to go in a certain direction. And so those moments are so valuable. I, I yeah, you didn't have to stop anything. You didn't have to tell someone no to do it. Nobody knows that you're doing it unless you tell them. So it's those moments that you begin to do and they become a habit instead of something you're supposed to do. It's just something that you happen to do. It's like brushing your teeth in the morning or going to the bathroom. These are all things that we do. We don't ever tell ourselves, I can never go to the bathroom today because I I have to be here. (laughs) Right. Right. Like some, we might go maybe an extra hour, but at some point it has to happen. Right. So just like that, caregiving just needs to be part of your day because it's part of who you are and it's just what you do. And then there's no need to prioritize or explain or feel like you're being judged because you would never even think that you wouldn't ever do it because it's just so important for you. Yeah. I love that. I also, for myself personally, I've tied those things that I do every day, like going to the bathroom, mm-hmm. I tie that moment with whatever the, the new intention of exactly is. And like you said, going into a closet, a dark closet and shutting the oh, door. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I do I that the bathroom and it's yeah. you shut the bathroom door, lock it, turn off the light. Yeah deep breaths, center myself, you know, exactly. use, use the bathroom and then leave. Right. <laughs> it's, it's sort of um, become a habit now when I enter the bathroom, <laughs> I'm doing this. So yeah, marrying these everyday habits with a self-care act for yourself. Yeah. And I find that at least in my home, it takes a good 15, 20 minutes for someone to realize that they don't actually know where I am. So, I mean, I can take a mini nap in 20 minutes. (laughs) Your quick escape. That's right. (laughs) Oh, this is such a good conversation. Let me see. I want to ask one more question. 
before we go, but I want to learn a little bit more about this idea of the future. Um, I think that that it can be like how you look at the future can feel helpless or hopeless, mm-hmm. or it can feel unknown or there, there can be a lot of fear. You, I mean, you're living this. And so how, what was your piece about reframing the future? You know, what did that look like for you? Yeah, I think, well, for me, I know one, one way that I, oh, just naturally cope is trying to control, right. And I'm a planner and a list writer. So when I became a caregiver that went up, like it was like the dial was turned up to 2000, right. And so, and then I was always worried and concerned of what my future, what my family's future would look like, because as soon as, and as anyone hears cancer, you know, they automatically assume, well, this isn't going to last long. And so what I had to do was really work on dialing it back. Yes, being very aware and proactive about things is important, especially as a caregiver. If there, there are certain things that you want to accomplish in life, you have to have goals, right? Or even just with what you want to do with your own happiness, there needs to be something to help you understand where you want to work towards to get there. But when it came to the future as a caregiver and the future of my family, I think what ended up being most important was to, other than the goals that we had for us and for the family and personally, was to enjoy where you are at any moment. Because if I'm worried about a doctor's visit that's going to happen, I don't know, next month, and I spend all month worrying about it, I'm not actually living that month because that worry is taking me away without actually living or spending time with my family in a way that that would be beneficial for all of us or enjoying the things that are happening. I mean, how many times have we been in that stressful, worried about the future state of caregiving and then suddenly realizing that it's snowing outside and you don't remember fall, right? Mm -hmm. So it's for me and for my family, it was coming back to what is important today. What can I do to enjoy my time with my family? Because we never have tomorrow guaranteed anyway. Right. So really just trying to live mindfully and noticing the little things is important to me because I know I can't really control what's going to happen in the future. I can guide myself in a direction that I would like to go in. But, you know, sometimes life has, has a different idea of what I'm supposed to do, right? So just really taking the time to enjoy my life as best I can on any given day and try to be here instead of in tomorrow that's going to happen anyway. And I have hardly any control over what will happen the next day. I love that. I, I've been listening a lot to Dr. Joe Dispenza's work and he talks about, you know, when your brain is programmed in a way that your thoughts and your feelings are, you're basically reliving the past because you're ruminating about the past or you're 
um, projecting into the future, you're not actually being present. If all you're doing is replaying messages from the past, it's like you said, you wake up in the morning and you automatically, before you even wake up, are yeah. going through your to-do list or flipping, flipping through your phone or you can expect the future is going to look like your past if right. you're not changing that. And so that's been a really powerful piece for myself personally. And, and I like you're really touching on that with what you're saying is that the importance of taking control over your thoughts. You know, this is a thing right. I say so often is you are <laughs> not your thoughts, you know, exactly. you are not your feelings. We, we are kind of taught to think that way. And we are victims of our feelings and we're victims of our thoughts. Yeah. Reality is we can take control over that and mm-hmm. think the thoughts that we, that are really going to serve us and be more present in the moment, bring your mind back to the present moment. Right. Don't be worrying about the month that the doctor appointment a month ahead. And right. Cause then you're suffering through that worry and stress before it even happens. And then if something does cause that worry and stress, then you're going to re so you're, you're living it before it actually happens. And then you have to actually live it. But I think the important thing is though, it's easy for us to talk about it. I know I personally some have some days where it's hard to do all the things that I know I need to do. And I think that it's important for people to understand that it's okay for it to be hard. Like this doesn't come easy. It has to be practiced. And so listening to things like your podcast and, and reading and watching things and working with people that can help you figure out how to do that is not frivolous. It's something like figuring out what this all means to you and finding a way for it to work and know that there are some days that are going to be a crap show because life it's not perfect for any of us. And so just understanding that it's a process of learning, I think is good because I think sometimes all of us hear, oh, this person does this all the time and they look so calm, but that's just online. Cause I can tell you there are days that I look like crap and <laughs> I am not well-tempered and I'm snippy and we all have those experiences. We're all human. So just know that if it's hard for you, if you listen to something like this and you're like, well, that's for someone who has the time. No, it's for everybody. But you have to know that it's important for you to actually try to figure it out. I love that. Charlotte, thank you so much for this conversation. I really, I've just taken so much out of it. And I would love I know myself personally, I'm really interested in learning more about your work and how can folks find out more about you if they wanted to? Yeah, they can find me at loveyourcaregivinglife.com. The podcast is there. The information about the digital magazine is there. There is a free download. So they can find all that information at loveyourcaregivinglife.com. That's fantastic. Well, I'm going to, I'll definitely include it in the show notes for folks that are listening while they're busy. And Charlotte, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have comments or would like to send us a message, you can send it to hello at lifeonrepeatpodcast.com. Please also consider following us at Life on Repeat Podcast either on Instagram or Facebook. 
The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute, nor is it meant to convey professional, legal, psychological, financial, or medical advice. If you can use such services, please seek them out from someone you trust.